Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Late Debates. Well, good evening and welcome to the Late Debate. Great to have your company. I'm James McPherson, joined tonight and every night by Liz Storer and Caleb Bond as we argue the issues of the day and try to make sense of it all. We've got a lot to get through tonight, so let's get straight into it. The Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party have announced they will refer New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet to the police over his apparent failure to declare in his Liberal pre-selection form that he wore a Nazi uniform to his own 21st birthday party. Now, the penalty for not declaring that in a stat deck is apparently five years imprisonment. Surely we're not going to lose a state premier and have him thrown into prison over his neglect to mention a fancy dress uniform. Caleb, this has gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. <laughs> well, it would be a very New South Wales story, wouldn't it? Because, of course, we lost Barry O'Farrell, we lost uh, Berejiklian, we lost Mike Baird, now we might lose Perrottet. What is it with New South Wales politics? And this bloke, Robert Borsak... Mm. He said himself a couple of years ago, I think he wrote an op-ed in the SMH, in which he, the title was Why I Shoot Elephants. And I think there's a photograph of him somewhere uh, over in Africa blowing out an elephant's brains, which he then ate. So it's, you know, it's all good and well to go over to Africa and shoot elephants, but if you wear a Nazi uniform in your 20s, you're a terrible person. Why? still talking about this. That is not a fair comparison. Firstly, he belongs to the Shooters and Fishers Party, so it makes perfect sense that He's he likes to shoot hunt. Stuff. Well, he just has um, very different moral standards. And as he stand. should eat it, because if you're going to go around killing things, the least you could do is eat it. That's just basic respect for your kill. That is not comparable to wearing the mark of a regime responsible for mercilessly murdering over six million Jews. How can you possibly even make a comparison there? I, that, I agree that's with your utterly point, ridiculous. surely you're trying to say, Caleb, that once you start playing these games where you start... Uh, going back through people's Instagrams and social media, looking for for crimes. There's no end to this, surely. Oh, no, no, but, but it was like, for goodness sake, why are we still talking about this? The bloke was 21. It was nearly 20 years ago. He said, I've made a mistake. The I Jewish community's accepted it. Move on. I do not buy this 21-year-old business. He was a highly educated young man. At the age of 21, he was graduating from UCID. He went to Oak Hill. Then he went to Redfield. He was very well educated. Wait. You've got to ask yourself, if you don't know about the horrors of the Holocaust at the age of 21, OK, Perrottet, how old were you when you realised that maybe the swastika was not an appropriate thing to wear in any context, much less as the host of your 21st birthday well, first party. First point, since when does graduating from university endow you with wisdom to make <laughs> I'm not decisions? saying it does. I'm saying I'm <laughs> sick and tired of them saying, oh, he was only 21. He wasn't 15 for it crying was out loud. Times. You're old enough to know at 21 that what happened was an absolute horror and should, should never be worn in any way, shape or form. You're old enough at 21. All right, fair enough. Well, I am only 23, so I suppose I better you know, <laughs> stand up for people of my age. Now, uh, Linda Burney has been out and about today. She's ruled out any attempt to legislate The Voice before having a referendum. And, of course, a lot of the criticism has been around the fact that there's no detail around what this voice would entail. And uh, she said in the Australian quote, 
A voice is the best chance we have to create a better future that will improve the lives of Indigenous Australians by making more effective policies in areas like health, education and housing. Now, I have to say myself, at the moment, I'm not sure that I can explicitly say yes or no to the voice when I don't actually know what it would entail. I don't want it in the Constitution, I know that, but why couldn't they just come up with a legislative model that they could do tomorrow for some sort of advisory group? They, they can consult Indigenous people later this evening if they want on any policy they like without they having do. to change the Constitution. Yeah. And, uh, you know, regardless of the lack of detail, and, and of course the Coalition have been saying we need to see more detail, but as Alex Antic said uh, today, it doesn't matter how much detail we get, it doesn't change the fact that we're inserting race into the Constitution, and that's just a bad idea. Exactly. I think that people who are planning on voting no right now, we're actually stemming the tide of racism in this country. Equality before the law. That should always be the case, and it should continue to be the case. And I'm sorry, but asking us to believe that while our government spends over $40 billion on less than 3% of the population every year, they want us to believe that we don't consult with Indigenous Aussies? Take it from me, I've worked for government for over eight years. That is patently untrue. They are consulted because naturally we don't just want to burn this money, we want to spend it in the most effective ways possible and we all know and have known for many years that means consulting with the very... You're not, you're not telling me they, they actually spend that money effectively, are you? I mean, look at the state no, of Aboriginal be, communities in this country. It could be a country. lot more effective. $40 billion going down the drain. It could be a lot more effective. But what Bernie's not addressing is telling us how is this voice going to make more effective policy? They just make these blanket statements my, and my it's beef, like, well, explain how that's going to work. My thanks. beef with Linda Burney, she's the Minister for Indigenous Australia, so she's got an entire department responsible for ensuring that Indigenous people are consulted yeah. on issues. <laughs> so it just begs the question, what is her department doing? Indeed, it's very hard to make out. So Treasurer Jim Chalmers has warned gas producers that the ACCC is watching them. Here's what he had to say. Uh, we expect the gas producers to act promptly uh, to implement the price cap, the temporary price cap. Uh, and the ACCC is closely monitoring the behaviour of the gas producers to make sure that they're consistent with their obligations under that temporary price cap. Some energy retailers have already stopped taking on uh, new customers. Others are ramping up their prices. Obviously, this was always going to happen. If you do anything to affect supply, prices are going to go up. Consumers are going to suffer. I, I mean, do you think consumers are just going to keep getting gouged because that, that seems to be the trajectory here, Caleb. Well, of course they're going to keep getting gouged, but it, I just find it very rich of Chalmers to get up there and say it's the big bad power companies, they're trying to rip you off, totally ignoring the fact that it's all a matter of supply and demand. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of the problem we have is that there's, there is so much gas in this country that yep. we've been exporting for years. We haven't kept it for ourselves, for one. They could have done something about that a decade ago, but we've gone headlong into the renewable green dream, mm. which has left us in a position where we need those fossil fuels to prop up the system. And, lo and behold, we pay more money for it. Who would have thunk it? Well, this is exactly what the government were warned about when they proposed this price cap, and the price cap has had already the exact opposite effect yeah. that the government were hoping for. But I, I think they're going to 
compound their problems. They've introduced this price cap. The, uh, the suppliers are withholding supply. And so now Chalmers is talking about, well, we will force them to sell their products. So they, they're going to put a bad regulation on mm. top of a bad regulation. Yeah. And this is just going to be a disaster. I'm telling you, you cannot be this bad at your job by accident. You can't. <laughs> well, this... It's literally just them moving around the chessboard to make it this bad for consumers. This is what happens when you put socialists with arts degrees in charge of running <laughs> yeah, the economy. This yeah. is what Yes. No more the, arts degrees in Parliament. That's half the bloody country, isn't it? While we're at it as well, I'd ban anyone who was involved in student politics from being involved in politics as well, because there's far too many of them. There'd be none of them many. left. You just emptied. You just I know, emptied both. I chambers. know. I think it's a brilliant idea. Get rid of a lot of them. The problem but is most of them think they're still in student politics. I know. I know. This is exactly my works point. The same. Um, but on a, a, a similar but uh, a related topic. Over summer, particularly over Christmas, a lot of people decided that they were going to go on road trips across the country and all these people who've bought EVs in the last year or so have taken off across the country and discovered that when they run out of juice, they've obviously got to recharge their cars. There have been wait times of nearly 90 minutes to actually get to one of these charging points all over regional Australia because so many people have bought EVs and there's no infrastructure for it. I just don't think as a country we're ready for this. And I don't think we're a country that's built for it. I mean, how do you actually do a road trip across Australia? Like, I drove from Melbourne to Sydney last weekend, right? I mean, imagine trying to do that in an EV and you get to bloody Gundagai and you're like, oh, I've got to charge my car up now. You'll be there for hours. I mean, it takes a minute to refuel your traditional And you're back on the vehicle. road. Imagine an hour and a half to uh, recharge your electric vehicle. You know the other thing no-one's talked about in this country yet, but in the United States, the National Transportation Safety Board have concerns over the weight of electric vehicles. <laughs> you know, the, the Hummer, as the electric version, uh, weighs 2,700 kilograms more than what? the petrol version because the battery on the Hummer weighs the same oh, as a wow. Honda Civic. Wow. Now, this is caused for two problems. One, they're worried about road safety because, yeah. obviously, the heavier the vehicle, yeah. Yeah. the more the likely fatalities. But yeah. the other thing no-one's talked about is the impact on wear and tear of roads. Yeah. And, of course, electric vehicles don't contribute anything via a fuel tax. Mm -hmm. And so this has not been spoken about either. It's another major issue, as well as you've mentioned, and, and recharging. Presumably ripping up, ripping up the, uh, the bitumen and putting new bitumen down every time they've got to do it to contribute emissions to the world, doesn't it? So <laughs> exactly. we're, we're actually doing something to make sure that more emissions go out there. What, what would it take for you to get an electric vehicle? Oh, I, I don't think I would. I, the, I've been in a couple of Teslas and I just hate when you put your foot down and there's no noise. I want to hear a car make some noise. I want that exhaust. <laughs> it's just all about the noise. And you can, all just... come and you can all come and look at my Maserati after the show. I, I just think petrol cars are one of the last bastions of freedom. You fuel up, nobody knows where you're going or what you're doing. It can't be turned off remotely, <laughs> which we know full well electric cars can be. Although so... now that my sons have just started driving, I wouldn't mind the ability no, to... No, no, <laughs> see? No, no, no. Absolutely nothing could induce me to get one of these, even if it weren't for the fact that you're still charging it using fossil fuels. Exactly. Where else do we exactly. get our electricity from? Absolutely farcical, but saving the planet aside, it's it's I I think it's such uh, it, it it is an impingement on freedom. It absolutely is. It is. Speaking of impingements on freedom, a West Australian tribunal has found that a Christian couple were discriminated against when their application to foster a child was overturned because of their uh, adherence to traditional biblical views on sexuality. 
the couple expressed their belief that uh, homosexuality was wrong, but if in the hypothetical instance they fostered a child who was same-sex attracted, they would still love that child. And yet the organisation conducting these interviews on behalf of the West Australian government uh, said they were not fit to foster children. Now, they took it to a tribunal and were eventually awarded damages uh, for reputational loss. But are we now at a point where a couple's views on homosexuality are relevant to their ability to foster or adopt children, Liz? I think the state has showed its hand here because what it's given away is how they would have every parent. Uh, you don't get a kid unless you view this certain way. What does that say about Muslim parents? Christian parents, Baha'i parents. There are so many different religions, Christianity is being singled out here, who raise their children to believe as they do according to their faith. And that is the exact same view on homosexuality as we find in the Christian scriptures. So I think that the state's really shown its hand here in saying we'd prefer you don't even have children if this is what you believe. And we've seen in other countries like Canada where this is becoming more and more literally against the law and your children may or may not be allowed to stay with you if you have, say, views against their transitioning, et cetera, and so on. I, I think it's very, that's, very That's alarming. the first thing I thought when I, I saw this story. If, if your views on homosexuality make you unfit to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent, uh, surely it, it transpires that yeah. uh, you're unfit to have your own children as well if you hold those views. I'm kind of in two minds about this one because I get where they're coming from in that you wouldn't want a child to be put in a position where if they were gay, they were made to feel bad about it. But I do find it curious that knowing how bad the foster system can be, yes. that this is the one thing they decided to take a stand on. Great like, point. there are kids who get sexually abused in foster homes and these parents just sort of are ignored and the kids are ignored and this is the case that they've decided to do something about. That, that really grates me. I should point out as well, this couple had applied to foster a child aged between zero and five years old. So they would never have anticipated that mm. this would be a, an issue they would have to address anytime soon. Sure. So. Yeah, there you go. Now, cash transactions, Liz, what's <clears throat> going on over there? Well, well, so new research from the initiatives group shows that cash will represent less than 4%, that's basically nothing, of total value of retail purchases by 2025. Um, I think this is devastating because, again, much like I just said about EVs versus petrol cars, cash is a bastion of freedom. The yeah. government doesn't know how you're spending your money. It doesn't know where you are. You pay for it using any other means. They've got a timestamp. They know <laughs> your location and what you're spending your money on, which is incredibly important data to have on absolutely anyone. So... What do you guys reckon? Why aren't we using cash? Why are we seeing this die out? I get the temptation to trade liberty for convenience. However, it seems to me everywhere you go, they're making it as difficult as possible to use cash. It's, it's not just that a card is more convenient, it's that cash is difficult to use anywhere you go, whether it's the mm. supermarket, to buy a pie at the football. Uh, just most people are making it difficult. Well, and, and I don't like using cash because, you know, it's all dirty and I don't know who's been oh, touching please. it. How many lines of you coke have gone through that? I'll hold for you. <laughs> but, but I have to say, I, every time I see this stuff, 
I feel like it discriminates against a older people who yep. are more yeah. inclined to to use cash because that's how they've always operated. But I always feel sorry for particularly like homeless people whose only income generally is is cash that they're picking up off the street, right? And they're told, oh well, you can't go and get a coffee from this shop because we don't allow cash here anymore. Like it's legal tender. Why why yeah. is there not some sort of obligation? for a shop or someone who's providing a service to take cash, yeah. then you've got places that only take cash, but we know why they're doing it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Look, we need to go to a break, but stick around because after the break, we're talking about the late Princess Diana's butler who's got an idea as to why Prince Harry is having all these problems. Apparently, he didn't get enough sausages <laughs> as a child. I'm not making this up. We'll talk about it after the break. Want to stay up to date with the latest news from Australia and overseas? It's a scam. It's a hoax. And find out what's happening in showbiz. And the Oscar goes to... And don't forget sport. Collingwood win the grand final. Our podcast from the newsroom gives you the latest headlines direct from the team at news.com.au. Listen to From the Newsroom wherever you get your podcasts. Well, welcome back to The Late Debate. Now, this next story, I wouldn't have believed it except that Caleb told me about it, and I trust you, Caleb. So, the problem with Prince Harry amounts to sausages at breakfast. Please explain this to Every, us. Everyone should trust me, by the way, James. <laughs> if you're at home, you can always trust oh, me. Um, so, apparently, when uh, they were little tackers, they're sitting down to breakfast, Harry and William. Mm. William, this is according to Diana's butler, William gets served three sausages... Mm-hmm. On his breakfast plate, mm-hmm. Harry. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I can't I can't control myself. He only got two sausages. Oh, what am I going to do? So uh, this bloke, this butler, reckons that this is where it all went wrong. Wow. That it was evident from the beginning wow. that Harry was playing second fiddle to William, and this is the cause of all of his problems. He only got two sausages at breakfast. Can I just can I just say, as one of seven children. <laughs> The fact that this guy only got two sausages (laughs) is the source of trauma. I'm a warping... I'm a walking miracle. The fact that I'm a functioning adult. We didn't Amazing. even close our eyes during grace. It was like literal hunger games then. <laughs> like you were fending for yourself. You should be lucky you got two. That's sheer luxury. You know, my big takeaway from all of this stuff with Prince Harry is I've got two younger sisters and they're now in my phone as spare one and <laughs> spare two. And I think every older child in the country should do the same thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Apparently there's a push on for two extra public holidays but before you rejoice this is the Lowry Institute saying uh, this will make us a more cohesive country Uh, okay do you want to explain that the holidays that they're suggesting are they they make sure that they uh, specify non-christian holidays they suggest Buddha's birthday Diwali Lunar New Year and Eid it's a big that no from me on this score. I am so sick of the West presiding over the 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 loss of what little culture we have left. None of these countries celebrate our Christian holidays. Yeah. You don't and yet want here more we are inviting holidays? everybody else's into our country. 
No. Well, before we get on to that, my, my objection to this is that they imply that Australia is an inclusive country <clears throat> in spite of our Christian heritage rather than because of it. And I believe it's because of our Christian heritage that we're so inclusive. When Saudi Arabia have a public holiday for Easter, well, then maybe we'll look at a whole <laughs> other lot of holidays. Yeah, but, yeah. Hey, point. Well, I get point. the impression you'd just vote for a holiday no matter what. Oh, I, I, any, <laughs> any old excuse. They can give it a public holiday for the first no. day I had a drink for all I care. But I reckon they should, they should have a public holiday for the first day of every test match played in this country. I would vote That's we can, Australian. We can, we can all get along for that. I'd be down That's with that. That's a real Aussie public holiday. Yeah, I, yeah. I know you'd be there, James. I'd be there, absolutely. Public <laughs> holiday for uh, the Melbourne Cup right around the country. You'd oh, vote for and that. Yeah, Nick Reese said that earlier in, in Paul Murray's program. I'd love that. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be there every day of the week. Why not? Uh, speaking of craziness, uh, the war on J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter books, continues. There's a bookbinder in Toronto who's found a market for Harry Potter books but with J.K. Rowling's name removed from the cover as the author. This is obviously in protest of her supposed uh, transphobic mm. views and these books are being sold for $170. Now here's my thing with this, Liz. Th these are people who are complaining that they are being erased if we don't acknowledge them but now they are erasing J.K. Rowling from her own work. I don't see how this is legal, firstly. But secondly, the woman has never said anything transphobic. Like, literally, mm. she has simply said, men are men, women are women. She believes in biological science, as do I, which uh, means there are two sexes, period. So they can identify as they please. She's never actually gone after anyone in the trans community. She's simply said, I stand by biological science, and they've taken such, such offence at it. They've, they're actually now well, ripping books off the shelf and, and selling them without and, any... And these, these books, I'll just make the quick point, they're mm. selling for $170, the, the de-rollified books. All I will say is that a fool and his money are soon parted. And, of course, yeah. it doesn't matter if you take the name off the cover. We all know well, who wrote the book. It's the same book. It doesn't change <laughs> the fact. Liz, you got one more thing for us before we go? Uh, so, Miss Universe is now owned by a biological man who opened up the... It opened on the weekend. Uh, here's what he had to say. From now on, it's going to be ran by women, owned by a trans woman, for all women, really, around the world to celebrate the power of feminism. All I'm going to say is if you have to transition to female... You're not one. I, I just love that you've got a biological man being cheered by women as uh, there's some mansplaining about what it means to be a woman. Look, I, 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 I have no problem with calling her a woman if that's how she wants to live. It, it's no skin off my nose. Well, you're not but, a woman, so... Well, I, no, look, fair, fair point, I'll, I'll take that. But I will also note that Miss Universe is, of course, a very exclusionary event because it's only for pretty women. So to get up and all this stuff about feminism and how great it is and inclusive, it's always been based on exclusion. At least they're all exclusion. women. Absolutely. Important distinction. Well, listen, that's all we've got time for tonight on The Late Debate. We'll be back again tomorrow night at 10pm. We'd love you to join us, but stick around after the break. Front page with Jenna Clark. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? Uh, I'm in a prison. 
Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.